Are you ready to free the body and free the soul? Join Dr. David, the cutting edge doc, as he guides us on today's journey. Here's Dr. David. Welcome, friends. Welcome to another edition of Freeing the Body, Freeing the Soul. I'm your host, Dr. David, the cutting edge doc. And here on Freeing the Body, Freeing the Soul, we do in-depth interviews with individuals that are doing cutting edge work, especially in the areas of healing, spirituality, and social transformation. Today's a very unique show, and I'm very excited and honored to have as my special guest today one of the top golf instructors in the entire world. He's extremely well-known, and he was gracious enough to give me almost an hour of his time recently. His name is David Ledbetter. And I asked David to be on the show for a few reasons, the main one being that I have a tremendous amount of respect for him as an innovator. I believe that he has come up with the first major innovation in golf instruction in many decades. And for some people, that may not sound like a big deal. But there are many people that have a passion for golf and end up quitting the game, becoming really frustrated because they can't get to a level of ability where they can enjoy the game. So I think there's value in the interview for golf lovers, but also for anyone who's interested in creativity and innovation. I think David's passion and mastery of his craft come through loud and clear and I know you'll enjoy this conversation as much as I did. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this special interview with David Ledbetter. Hi, friends. Dr. David, the Cutting Edge Doc here, and I'm very excited about today's show. I'm here with one of the most innovative and most well-known golf instructors in the entire world, David Ledbetter. And... Um, I've been wanting to have David on the show for a while because of my love for innovation, creativity, golf, teaching, coaching. And to me, David is uh, embodying so many of these areas. And I have so much respect for David and such a love for the sport. And I'm wanting to help golf to be more accessible to many people. And I think the more people know about David and his innovative work that he's doing to make golf more fun for more people and more available is going to be a really important contribution. So I'm doing what I can. So David, welcome to our podcast. Thank you very much, David. A pleasure to be here with you. You know, I have, uh, David's already touched my life quite a bit through the impact he's had on my 24-year-old son who loves golf and was able to go to a totally other level in his golf game. And uh, it's actually impacted the rest of his life as well because of his journey of mastery. And we'll get into um, how David actually did that, what kind of an impact he had. But let's start at the beginning. David, do you, in your journey, did you think of yourself as a golfer and then you became a teacher? Or were you more of a person who loved to teach from the very beginning of your life and just happened to find golf? Uh, that, that's a very good question because I actually turned professional when I was 18. I, I'm from England originally, probably can tell by my accent, but I grew up in Africa and spent time in a country 
which is now known as Zimbabwe, just north of South Africa. And I, it was very much the British system of uh, whereby you became an assistant pro at a young age, very similar to what Ian Poulter did, really. You spent time in a pro shop, you learned the business. So I went to college for a year. And then I, um, I was offered this job at, at, at a local golf club where I was a member. And, I, and you know, I was a, I was a decent player. And I, my game got a lot, lot better, I have to say. But uh, essentially, I started teaching from a very, very young age, uh, really to supplement my income. And I really enjoyed it. It was something that I just sort of had a, uh, whether a knack or a feel for. And I really enjoyed helping people. So not only was was I working on my own game, but uh, at the same time, I was building up knowledge whereby I could actually help other people. So uh, I, I don't know whether I was always considered myself as a teacher. So I think in the early years as a young professional, you you have ideas that you're going to, uh, you know, win the Open or win the Masters or what have you. And uh, But it was just at the time, it was a case of thinking a little bit down the road, I was thinking ahead from the standpoint, well, if I don't make it as a player, this is something I'd really like to do. And uh, so, and that was actually the, uh, the sort of the path that I took. I, I, I played a number of tournaments. I, I actually went through the tour school in Europe and I, I actually missed my card by a shot, which actually almost uh, made the decision for me. And I just got into teaching uh, more full time. And so I, I've loved every minute of it. Fascinating. It's amazing how life can change on one shot. Absolutely. Absolutely. It was a 10 foot up to up, uh, right to left putt for birdie. And I left it about three inches short. And, uh, you know, that's all she wrote, as they say. <laughs> what brought you initially to the United States? Well, actually, I came over and, and did some uh, I did a couple of uh, PGA uh, seminars, uh, which were conducted by Oh, players, of, uh, I should say teachers of the past, people like Gary Wyron, who's still very involved, um, who was the head of instruction of the PGA back in the sort of mid-70s, and uh, people like Bill Strasbaugh, um, very well-known teachers at the time. In fact, uh, Jim Flick, uh, that's where I first met Jim Flick. Uh, and so uh, it really sort of whet my appetite, and, uh, and I thought at some stage, well, this is the place I'd really love to come, because I love the Love the lifestyle, love the people. And so uh, I, I came initially on those two courses and spent time with friends in California. Uh, a friend of mine had a house on Riviera. So I, and so it was, I was sort of spoiled, if you will. And I thought, wow, this is definitely the place to come. So uh, really, uh, I think it was 1980, I had the opportunity of coming over and um, teaching in Chicago. Uh, and I, um, Taught up at a uh, Donald Ross course up there uh, called Oak Park Country Club, and I was there for a couple of seasons. And uh, I, I, you know, and I then came down to Florida and sort of opened my own academy. So it was, uh, it was, it was all timing. I mean, I, I was very fortunate. I grew up with players like Nick Price and Dennis Watson and Mark McNulty. Obviously, Nick Price had a very, very successful career, and so teaching these sort of my peers and friends uh, sort of led led to me teaching you know, players of sort of like Nick Faldo, et cetera. And uh, uh, so back in the sort of mid eighties when uh, coaching was a sort of a very new approach, shall we say, I mean, yes, you heard about Jack Nicholas having Jack Grout as a coach, but I mean, most players didn't have coaches back there. Very unlike today, where there's very few players that don't have a coach of some sort. So, yeah, you know, I was just sort of, I suppose, one of the pioneers, although we had people like Jimmy Ballard and Bob Toskey certainly, but, uh, I sort of made it a, 
bit of an industry back then, and I was working with a lot of tour players back in the in the eighties and early nineties, and uh, and so my I was very fortunate, and obviously with the with the with Nick Fowler having played so well and winning all the majors, uh, I mean, I was asked to do videos and open golf academies and write books. So it, it's sort of a, you know, it wasn't something I necessarily planned, but it was it was a lot of fun, I can tell you, and uh, it was it was a great journey. Now, one of the things I've noticed about your teaching, and maybe you're this way in your life in general, but it seems like you have a knack for. Um, generating and communicating powerful images and that imagery and uh is a very important part of your way of communicating to the golfer is that something that just naturally developed for you or were you consciously aware of the power of imagery well i think as as a teacher you really have to find different ways of getting message the message across because we're all different on how we process information and so i i knew way back when that look you, you couldn't teach everybody the same way so i sort of made it a, a goal if you will to find different ways to sort of to get into somebody's mind and um my grandfather actually was one of britain's leading osteopaths and he was blind and so he had a tremendous feel about things that he did and you know people people say well maybe i got it from there you know maybe it's a genetic thing but I, I think it's just a mad really a case of being imaginative i mean one of the things i've always done through the years is sort of conjure up drills and teaching aids for specific reasons and so it's always been a fun part uh, of of teaching to me because it's not all just i mean i, I know some very knowledgeable people who have a some great knowledge about the swing and physics and biomechanics, et cetera, et cetera. But the key is having, having all that knowledge and being able to actually put it out in a very simple manner that people can understand and actually do it. Um, we realize that, look, we're not all, we're not all teaching, always teaching tour players. Uh, we're teaching players of every level. So, and there are some players that hey, they don't have the time or, or the patience or the talent for that matter to, to be able to get too much depth. So you've, you've got to keep it pretty simple. So I've always, although I've been always construed as a technical teacher, I, I've always believed I've been more of a field teacher than anything else. And uh, I think when you work with players like Nick Falder, who was uh, considered a very much a technical player, but if people actually knew him, he, he was also very much a field player. You know, he, he'd use images, he'd use sound. I mean, you hear him clicking and uh, making noises there for his rhythm and he, so he uh, he was very kinesthetic as well. So he, he through the drills and stuff that we did. So it's very interesting. And I think as a teacher, that's where instinct comes in. I mean, it's, it's great having all this technology that we have today, which is wonderful. And we use it, you know, things like Trackman and force plates and KVS and all the all the tools. But in the end, how do you communicate the message across to a person that they can actually go out and hit the ball better. I mean, that's that's the bottom line. I mean, you can make somebody swing look better, but they don't necessarily hit it better. So it's, it's a case really of, uh, I think, uh, as a teacher, you have to be able to have that ability to change courses sometimes, uh, be able to uh, say, hey, listen, let's put this in a slightly different way in order to get the message across. And I think that's, that's the art of being able to communicate. Absolutely. Uh, do you have a preference for working with... Uh tour players or low handicap players or higher handicap players 
You know, I, I think in the early years, I'd probably have to say just from an ego standpoint, it was, you know, a lot of fun working with the tour players. And it's still a lot of fun working with them. You know, I mean, it's like, you know, I spend an awful lot of time working with young Lydia Coe. And it, it, it's a great thrill to see these players. I mean, she won, you know, she won a major, the youngest ever winner of a major a couple of weeks ago in Evian in France. And, and it, it's a great thrill. But I have to tell you, I mean, especially with this new book that's come out, The Ace Swing, which I think was designed really to help the masses, although, you know, players, including Lydia, uh, have traits of the Ace Swing. Uh, I, I actually, you know, it gives me great pleasure to see somebody improve no matter what level of player they are. And just to see somebody, you know, eliminate a slice or be able to hit some shots out of the middle of the club face or be able to hole a few putts. I mean, whatever the case may be, whichever department of the game we're talking about. But it, it's a so I, I'd have to say now that regardless who I'm working with, it, it's it's a pleasure to sort of help people and to see everybody improve. And so uh, I don't really have a you know a, a thought as far as I'd rather work with a tour player. I'd rather work with um, with, a, with a high handicap. But obviously, I mean, listen, when you're dealing with tour players, it, it takes a little bit more focus and thought and we're dealing with people's livings and uh, lifestyles, et cetera, et cetera. So there's a little bit more onus on, you know, really focusing and uh, maybe the maybe the result has to be a little bit more, uh, how should we say, uh, in, in a positive sense. Uh, I mean, if we work with an amateur and they improve their score by one or two shots, that's great. But a tour player, you know, they, you know if they're keeping on missing cuts, then, hey, they're probably going to search elsewhere. Right, right. I just I had that sense that you were at a state in your life where you really were enjoying a, a working with a broad range of people. Uh, I want to take a step back because there's some people that are listening here who've probably never picked up a golf club or never has been on a golf course. And I want to create a little bit of context. And that is that for golfers, um, golf can be the best of times and the worst of times in the sense that when it's going well and you you hit a great shot, it's almost orgasmic. But there's so golf is so difficult. There's so many things that can go wrong in a swing. And if just one thing goes wrong, you could have 20 things going right and still have a lot of problems. And um, there's just a lot of challenges for golfers. There's you know being in shape. There's being able to afford it. There's we're having droughts now here in the United States. Uh, it takes a long time to play a round of golf. And so there are a lot of forces in the world right now that are making it difficult to grow the game of golf. But on the other hand, those of us who love golf really want to see golf be relevant and golf expand. And it's really in that context that I want to continue with this interview because um, David has... Um, through his years of teaching, he got to a point where he was able to synthesize his thoughts and develop a whole new paradigm for uh, the swing of the golf club and as well as for teaching it. And he calls this the A swing. And so I want to move into that. But at first, David, do you have do you want to make any introductory remarks regarding your thoughts about uh, in general? not just through the A-swing, but in general, what we need to do as golf lovers to help grow the game and make the game more accessible. You know, one of the ideas that I've had is to come up with uh, golf courses that are 12 holes long so that people can play 
around in three hours. And I'm sure a lot of intelligent people have given a lot of thought to how to make golf more fun and more accessible for more people. So before we get into the A-swing in particular, I would just open up the floor to see if you have any comments about your thoughts about making the game more accessible in general. Yes, well, I think as, look, those of us that have been in the game a long time, we, we want to see the game grow. And we know for the most part, I mean, at certain certain levels, I mean, junior golf, professional golf, yes, the game is growing. But I think for the masses, uh, it, it's, it's really, I won't say it's dying, but it is certainly not growing. And you know, we're hearing about golf courses closing down and uh, et cetera, et cetera, and the costs of running golf courses and and it, it, it's a problem. I mean, it really is. I mean, and I look, I wholeheartedly agree. We, we need to find ways, I think, to really get people involved in the game where, especially in today's, in today's society that we live in, time is a factor. Let's face it. People have young families. People can't afford to go out and spend a day just playing golf with their friends. I mean, you still get that, certainly. But the fact of the matter is, I mean, people are a lot more uh aware now of time and expense i mean it's an expensive deal now to be members of clubs i know i mean you take great britain for instance they they had a figure that came out which was quite interesting i mean they i mean they've lost well thousands of members of golf clubs over there a lot of members now because they're not playing that much they think well listen i might as well pay you know pay a visitor's fee and uh, furthermore i mean they're finding that they say they've lost 20% of their numbers uh, of golfers and who are and a large part of them are taking up cycling of all sports cycling. And from a standpoint of, well, they can do it as a family. It's good exercise. It's cheap. It's uh, and so, and obviously there people want to find things to do with the family. And I think that's one of the things that we've really got to look at, especially in this country, in the U S I mean, you know, I, I've said this, I've stood on my soapbox for a number of years now and spoken to people at the PGA and the USGA and one of the biggest single problems over here is that junior golfers are at a real, real disadvantage. And people say, well, why is that? You've got all these great organizations like the American Junior Golf Association, which I'm on the board of, which is a fabulous organization, no question. But the problem is, is that you have so many golf courses here, which are so underutilized. I mean, and in other countries, for instance, you take Australia or South Africa or Britain to a large extent. A junior member can join a club without the, without their parents having to be members. This is one of the big problems they have in the U.S. I mean, you have a country club, say, I don't know, Chicago, say, all right, we'll say. Uh, but now, the only way juniors can play on that golf course, you know, whatever course it may be, Medina or whatever, is the fact that, hey, if your parents are members. Now, you go, you can join a golf club in Britain um, as a junior member. I mean, you take a course like Woburn where, you know, Ian Poulter is a sort of a, a, a demigod where all well, the kids love him. And they've got, they've got about 150 junior members there. I would say probably 90% of them, their parents aren't members or don't even play golf. But yet there's a junior membership fee they can play. And obviously these are your future members. So, you know, these are sort of the things that we've got to look at, especially in the U.S. And to make golf, I mean, 
listen, you know, in France, for instance, they're building six whole golf courses there, David, uh, which is uh, interesting because of the time factor. Look, in a, in a six hole golf course, you can get round an hour and a half. You know, it's like going and playing a game of tennis or squash or racquetball or something. And because time is a factor, people just don't want to be out there for five or six hours and then, you know, drinks and all have you. It's, 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 a, it's an all day job. So I think we've got to look at new ideas and, you know, I mean, look, you could, you know, make, they make up things like, well, make the holes bigger and make the game more fun. I mean, and there are obviously those sort of initiatives. I mean, like tee it up, you know, tee it forward, or I think it was what it was called. I mean, they're fine. But I think in the end, look, we've got to create a passion amongst young people. It's hard to grow the game in the sort of 40 to 50 year old age group. And we, we need to, say, get these youngsters involved. Uh, I mean, look, the first tee does a fabulous program, but to me, it's more of a, a social program than something that, uh, I mean, you do get the odd good player coming out of there. But I think, you know, where, where do these young players go? If you, if you were, if you were um, uh, a member at, uh, you know, or part of a first tee program in a certain, certain town, I mean, wouldn't you like to be able to sort of move on to maybe a, a club which has 18 holes and maybe play? I mean, I, I, so there's, there's all sorts of initiatives that people can think about. And I think we've got to get out of the, you know, I mean, look, you're going to get your Augustas, your private clubs, and you're going to get these obviously very uh, posh clubs where people are members and uh, it's a fortune to play. But I think, you know, for the masses, I think they need to figure a way out that they can get more people involved in the game at a cheaper price. Because golf is not cheap. Let's face it. I mean, it's like, you know, you're, I mean, look, if you're a skier, I mean, it's not cheap to go skiing. I mean, the lift passes, et cetera, et cetera. And so, Golf's not cheap. You've got the equipment. You've got, you know, all the green fees. You've got this. You've got that. So and I think we, you know, the, the powers that be need to get together and say, OK, look, how are we going to? I mean, I, I know they're trying. They've got all these junior leagues and what have you. And you you've got to try these different things. But I think in the end, it's like you've got to get young people involved. You've got to get they've got to have a passion to play the game. You've got to get them away from playing all these video games, get them out, get in, get golf in the schools. Um, and, you know, I think you know, leading maybe onto the ice swing, I think one of the things we've got to do is get people playing better because golf is a tough game. And as you well know, David, the better you play, the more you want to play. So very few people give up the game if they're hitting the ball well and, you know, shooting shooting scores they know they may be capable of. So it, it's, it's probably, you know, looking from that standpoint to making the game simpler, not more technical, which to some extent we seem to be doing today with all, you know, I mean, it's great to have all the, knowledge about biomechanics and everything else that Tiger's doing and all these, you know, biomechanists and uh, physicists that are working on the game. But the game has never been an exact science. It's always been an art. So we, we need to find a way to make this game simpler where people go out and essentially enjoy themselves and have fun. And so not not thinking that everybody's going to be a tour player. I mean, that's I think that's where a lot of these, this technology, to me, they're focusing too much on what really good players do. Well, yes, I mean, when you're at that level and you're doing it for a living, You've got to find this cutting edge and sort of biomechanics and um, et cetera, et cetera, and physical working out. Yeah, that's important. I mean, I mean, you know, I mean, I, I love working out myself, and I think it's good for everybody to get a little bit of it. But you're not going to get the average Joe who plays, you know, once every couple of weeks. You know, going out and you know, going to a TPI program and working out for two hours every day on its flexibility. They just want to go out and hit the golf ball and have a little fun. Okay, well, let's start to get into the A-swing. And, um, you know, one of the things that I'm interested in is the science of innovation and creativity. And 
as I got exposed to the A-swing, which we're going to get into and talk about, um, I was really loving it. And at the same time, my my innovator hat, I was wearing my innovator hat and I was asking myself the question, you know, once you see this, this seems so obvious. And so the question that came to my mind was, what is it about the way we've been conditioned such that nobody else was seeing this and what was what what was it about david that allowed him to see this that in other words what were our blinders what you know what made this so hard to see like why did why were we assuming things that didn't allow us to come to this and somehow you were able to make this breakthrough where you were able to discover and now codify how to teach a swing where so much less can go wrong and uh, we can get to the point where people are co fairly consistently hitting good shots without having to think a lot so that they can enjoy the game more. Um, so I want, as, as you're speaking about the A-swing, if you can integrate this into your comments about what was the breakthrough? What allowed you to see something? And what did you see that other people didn't see? So uh, let me turn it over to you and go ahead and introduce what the A-Swing is and how it works and what it's designed to do. And then um, I may chime in with some questions. Sure, sure. Well, look, I, I've been teaching this great game of golf for now. Well, you know, 40 odd years. And so I've seen a lot of philosophies and methodologies come and go. And I mean, I've always been what I would call a very you know, down to basics type teacher. And uh, I've had maybe some innovative ideas as far as how to get the message across. And I have to say, first of all, the A swing is sort of a culmination and a, an evolution of what I've always believed. It's not something I woke up one morning and had an epiphany and said, oh, I've got it. I've got the secret for this game. It wasn't anything like that. This was something that I, I, you know, I looked at the game, David, and you know, especially the masses who who struggle with this game. I mean, this game we know is not an easy sport to play well. If you if you if you're highly talented, you have a lot of time on your hands. You can practice. You you've got uh, the ability to shoot low scores. That's great. But those people are in the minority. So you know, it, it's interesting when I've when I've looked at technique through the years and how people have really struggled essentially the a swing which the a stands for alternative it, it's it's really an alternative backswing to me in golf the, the the swing itself the difficult part of this whole motion is the backswing because if you take baseball for instance you really don't have a backswing if you take tennis you're moving everything on a horizontal plane which is a lot easier here in golf you know, we've got a lot of components to consider and especially trying to time up all the movements, all the moving parts, you know, the club, the hands, the wrists, the arms, shoulders, hips, feet, knees, uh, you know, timing all those parts up together in a synchronized fashion is, is extremely difficult. So you've got, to, you know, you've got to, you know, you've got a lot of footage on the backswing, a lot of footage on the downswing. And it's very hard for a lot of people to, you know, who don't have the time to sort of work at it day in and day out to really synchronize these movements. So the this A-swing is really, you say, an evolution of what I've always believed in. Like I've always, look, I, 
if I had to break the swing down, I look at it from, with three basic components. You've got your setup, which includes posture, grip, ball position, alignment, all the basic foundational stuff. You've then got your body movement, the pivot motions, I like to talk, call it, as I call it, where, where you, you're coiling, you're, you're moving, you're rotating, you're moving in a, in a, in a, a lateral moment, movement, you're moving in a rotary moment. So it's really how your torso actually moves, where the power essentially comes from your torso. It's actually, it goes through your arms and hands into the club, and no question, your, the, the hands and arms can multiply that speed, but the, the, the essential, the, the core speed comes from your body, okay? It's a, whether you're a javelin thrower, a pitcher in baseball, a batter in baseball, you know, server in tennis. I mean, that movement comes from your torso. So that's the second command, how your body moves. Then you've got to find a way to complement how your body moves with how the club swings. So what we really what we found through our experimentation is that you know we, we did a cut we did a two year test on this. This wasn't something that just came out of the blue. I mean, this book has been you know probably uh, I don't know over two and a half years in the making. And we we had biomechanics, a good friend of mine who wrote a chapter in the book, JJ Reve out of France, and he he said, listen. This is a much more simplistic approach. It's a minimalistic approach. Because to me, what we've done is cut out a lot of wasted motion in the swing, whereby you synchronize your arms and your body. That's the whole, that's the whole key to hitting the ball consistently. And if you ask anybody what they would like to do, whether you're talking about a tour player, you're talking about a 20 handicapper, man or woman, they'll always they'll say, hey, listen, I just want to be more consistent. I had some good shots, but you know, I just want to be more consistent. How can I be more consistent? How do I hit the ball out of the middle of the club face on a more consistent basis? So essentially what we've done here, we've, we've, we've developed or suggested a backswing that uh, is really, and I like to call it, you know, it's more of an approach rather than a method because there are, there's various degrees of this A swing. Uh, we, we like to say this, this is going to help you find your A swing. And so it's, it's very much a case really of you don't have to do this perfect. There's not a perfect, there is a perfect model, but you don't have to achieve the perfect model. It's, it's a case really whereby you will find in utilizing the ACM, most people have found this, that almost straight away they've made some significant improvement because most of the work happens at address and the start. Um, we, and so we've, as soon as somebody gets off to a good start, it's almost like a chain reaction to uh, the whole the whole key movement really is is the start and once you once you get this backswing down and you'll see it I mean and, and many players throughout the years have have um, utilized traits of the stage even the great Jack Nicholas if you look at and essentially it, it's creating a more upright backswing to create a shallower downswing because the plane of the golf swing is a very very difficult thing to to obtain that's why people slice people are they come down on an angle which is so steep and they swing across the ball. And so that's why you've got a, you know, 80% of the world's golfers are slices. And so this really helps to create a shallow plane coming down. And we call it the V plane because you've got one side of the V going back and the other side of the V coming down. And it's once people get into that slot, it's as if the club hits the ball without any real extreme effort. And what we found with the A swing too is that you don't need a great deal of strength or flexibility. Obviously, if you have it, so much the better. But you can, you're can you actually utilizing the balance of the club to actually help you hit the ball. And it's a very we, – we, you know, I had a, a gentleman yesterday. He was in his late 70s. And, you know, he just couldn't believe – I mean, he, he was a 10 handicap sort of a few years ago. He's going out, you know, slowly. He was about a 19. And it was literally within a couple of hours, he had, a, he had the concept of what he needed to do in order to draw the ball. And, and 
Furthermore, I mean, the consistency, consistency level in a short period of time improved dramatically. And that's, that's the exciting thing for me, working with this A-Swing, the testimonials and the feedback we've had, because, you know, it's not easy to bring something out. I mean, I sort of put my head on the block a little bit saying, oh, you know, people will say, well, you know, what is this? You know, you know, is this something new, some new fangled method? Well, it's not really, as they say, it's an organic approach. And to me, I think the teaching industry needs a little bit of a shake-up. I mean, we know certainly how to analyze swings and to uh, understand what's going wrong. But how do you get the message across? So this, we found with the A-swing, it's a very easy thing to teach. It's a very easy thing to learn. And I'll tell you, it's a very easy thing to teach teachers to teach. And I just hope that although we are very much traditionalists, and I think a lot of, a lot of the instruction has been based on tradition through the years and myths, and people don't want to change too much. They look at a you know, great, powerful golf swing like Jason Day or Tiger or Rory McIlroy or Jordan Spieth, whoever. You know, they look at you know, some of these swings and they say, man, this is how I want to swing. But for most people, that's, that's a dream. I mean, you know, we need to find simpler ways to do this and without overcomplicating it either. Because to me, once you, if you can simplify it, you can go out and play good golf where your brain is not involved and you're not overthinking it. I mean, overthinking creates so much tension in people's golf swings. And so along with the book, we've devised a, a seven-minute practice plan, believe it or not. This is, sounds a little corny, but literally you can, you can conduct these six little swing exercises in seven minutes, which basically help to give you a feel and create the repetition or the muscle memory, shall we say, where you can go out and not overthink. And so you have a feel for it. And I say, I'm, I'm really excited about it. I, 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 you know, to be honest, I wasn't sure how it was going to be accepted, although I knew it really worked. And uh, I say, it's certainly a, an extension of what I've always believed in. And we've sort of maybe pushed it to the limit here. But it's, in a sense, uh, a person who sort of maximizes this A-swing and creates the perfect model will probably cut out between 20 and 25% of the motion uh, that a, a regular golf swing would need in order to complete the backswing. So what it's done is simplify the backswing to make the downswing, which is the all-important part of the swing, David, that much easier. And so you get to use your body better, you... Uh, it, it, the rhythm improves, and uh, as I say, we've had some absolutely uh, you know, astounding results. I mean, it's nice to see your son sort of, uh, it, it helped your son, and I mean, he's just one of thousands of people that have said, I can't believe this is so easy, and uh, I mean, I had a, I was at the Ladies U.S. Open, just to give you a, a little story, I was at Ladies U.S. Open, and uh, one of the teachers in the area at a club came up to me and said, David, I just have to thank you so much for this A-swing, and he said, you know, he said, I, I, got, I got your book. I tried it myself. And I, start, I said, you know, I, you know, I don't get to play a lot of golf and I wasn't playing particularly well. But I was playing so well. Everybody asked me, what's, what's the difference in your game? And I explained to them. And I, everybody at the club is coming to me wanting to learn this A-swing. And my, my lesson book is full for the next three months. So that's how we grow the game. You get people excited about things. The fact that, wow, this is maybe something that really works. Yes. Um I was going to ask you about what kind of reception you're getting from the golf community. You've kind of touched on it a little bit. Is there anything you, else you want to say about the reception that you're getting? Well, I'd say, you know, there's been, there's been mixed reception from, you know, teachers. I mean, some people say, hey, this is great. Other teachers say, well, you know, I mean, this is a little unconventional. But, you know, I, I tell you, unconventional. I mean, if, if you were given a choice to say, hey, listen, I'd like to hit the ball far, I'd like to hit the ball accurately most people would take accuracy over 
over length, but from a consistency standpoint. I mean, yes, everyone wants to hit it longer. And actually, most people do using the A swing because they actually increase their ball speed, not necessarily their club head speed, but they increase their ball speed because it's the ball struck out of the middle of the club face. But I tell you, we, we've, I mean, we've got teachers who've come to us and said, hey, listen, this is, this is the greatest. I mean, this, this needs to be part of the, the fabric of golf instruction because it's so much of an easier way to teach somebody. And it, it's all about synchronization. I, as I say to people, David, look, if I look at a golf swing and somebody's pretty well synchronized, in other words, the, their arm swing and their body rotation, the back swing finishes pretty much at the same time as they start to go forward, their, their, their lower body leads and the arms follow and, you know, everything's in good sync and they, they strike the ball reasonably solid. Do they need to go to the A swing per se? No, they don't because in effect, they've got part of the A swing because the A swing is, they, it's, 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 and I want to get people away from thinking it's a pure method. It really is based on, I say that word synchronicity, how the arms and the body sort of mesh, mash together. And so, but on the whole, I'd say it's been received really, really well. I mean, we've done, I mean, you know, books today probably aren't like they were 15 years ago. I mean, this is the first book I brought out for 10 years. And the whole, the whole scene is very different from 10 years ago when people, people don't read a lot of books these days. So we're going to get an app going. And if people are interested in looking at some of these testimonials uh, from people that, who tried it, uh, they can go to ledbetteraceswing.com and just check it out. Because, I mean, it, it, to me, that's what really... Uh, you know, drives my boat because uh, I say just the, the fact that people are, have made this improvement and uh, say they're loving golf again. And, uh, you know, we even had one, one, one fellow called up on my radio show and said, David, you saved my marriage. And I said, I saved your marriage. How was that? He said, well, he said, my wife and I, we play so much golf together and she was playing such poor golf and she didn't want to play. And I knew if she didn't play, I wasn't going to play. And uh, she, I, I bought a copy of your book. It was sitting on our coffee table, and she happened to read it and went out the next day and played the best golf she'd played for years. And now she just, we just want, she wants to play every day. <laughs> so it's just things like that really are, are, are very sort of heartwarming. How are you doing with, in terms of the dissemination of this innovation, how are you doing with training teachers to teach this? Well, we've, we've sort of focused a lot on our teachers at our academies. You know, we have over 20 academies around the world. And so, but we are going to be conducting some uh, seminars for, you know, teachers out there to, to, to learn this A-swing. And it's actually very simple. It's just, it's having the belief and the trust that it's going to work. And, um, you know, there's obviously, there's always a bit of a stigma in golf. And as I say, we are traditionalists and you say, well, you know, I don't see this person doing that, but you know, you, it's funny. You look at players. I mean, look, it's, it's, it's probably a mild version of a Jim Furyk swing. I mean, Ryan Moore, the great young player, he's, you know, he's very much on these lines. And, you know, a lot of people ask me, who's your favorite swinger of all time? Now, listen, I have a, you know, we've got a great choice there, you know, from Bobby Jones to, you know, Ben Hogan to Byron Nelson, Jack Nicklaus, Nick Faldo, Tiger Woods. I mean, you know, hey, there's been some great swings through the years. I mean, certainly better. I mean, one of my favorite swingers, I have to tell you, was a, a gentleman that passed away just a few months ago, was Calvin Pete. And uh, this, he was an African-American gentleman who started golf in his early 20s. And I mean, if you look at his record, I mean, my goodness, this guy, I mean, he led fairways hit for 10 years in a row he averaged way over 80 percent which is phenomenal and uh, he led greens and regulation for six of those 10 years and although he had a bit of a disability where his left arm was a little bit bent because he broke it as a kid and didn't have it fixed correctly or set correctly at a young age 
But he went out there, I mean, and he just literally, I mean, this guy never missed a fairway. And so he, his, I loved his golf swing because you know that the, one of the things in the A swing is that we're advocating is a little different grip tool. So this can actually work, but very almost no face rotation going back where a lot of players who rotate the face open somehow they got to rotate it back to square. In this case, the club face goes back almost in a slightly closed position, although with the grip combined with the vertical nature of the backswing, uh, the plane of the backswing, the club face hangs very neutrally at the top. And then the club shallows automatically as you start down. You know, it's, it's interesting. I was with Gary Player, you know, growing up in Southern Africa. He's one of my idols. And we were, I was talking about this with Gary. He said, you know, David, said, you and I we think along the same lines because he talks about the hands moving on one track and the club head moving on another. So, and in, my, in, in the ace swing, we always talk about the hands stay inside the club head, inside the club head. Never let the club head get behind your hands because as soon as that happens for most players, somehow they've got to get the club back in front of their hands and this is where they have issues. So this ace swing really is about uh, allowing people to essentially draw the ball. And uh, it, it's, 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 a, it's a definite draw-shaped swing, which I think if you... Ask most people they could hit a consistent draw, they'd, they'd bite your hand off. Um, for sure. And so one question I have is, um, we talk, you talked a little bit about the, you know, the main mistake of the poor golfer of coming over the top and uh, sweeping the ball from right to left and then the ball spinning in the other direction. And this kind of handles that. When I watch golfers and when I critique my own swing, the other big thing I see the average golfer have a lot of trouble with, and maybe you could address this in the context of your teaching in the A-swing. So one, one big thing I see, of course, is the over-the-top slice. The other thing I see is people, the right-handed golfer, having a lot of trouble uh, coming over onto their left side, getting stuck on their right foot. How does, um, how does the A-swing help with that problem? Well, you think about it, okay? If you if you did a little exercise and you just you know do a simple pivot drill, and you fold your arms across your chest or put a club behind your back, whatever, and and get your posture position, and then simply make your movement, make your movement uh, to the right as you load up on the backswing, and you make a movement to your left foot, and then you unwind and finish. It would take you about thirty seconds to actually make that look pretty good. I always say to people, look, your swing. Uh, you need to make sure that A, it looks, if you looked in the mirror or if you looked on video, not only should it look, but it needs to feel the same way as you make this pivot motion without a club. Because in my, in my opinion there, David, what happens is for most players, they don't get the weight through because their arms and their body don't work in synchronicity. So in other words, say if for instance, if somebody is over the top, well, I mean, they're not likely to get to their left side. Their instincts are, hey, I've got to get the club hit to the ball somehow. So they're going to sort of hang back on their right foot in order to get the club to the ball. And so uh, many things that you see in a swing are really uh, an effect, a result of the fact that the club being out of position, the club face being out of position, all of a sudden, your body then reacts in a way to help you get to impact. So May, the, the A swing, because of the simplicity of the back swing and the fact that you've cut out all this wasted motion, it allows and it, it complements the way that the pivot action works. So doing a few little pivot drills, all of a sudden, then you put the club in your hand 
and you work on this A swing, this complements the pivot. And you're going to find you're not going to have this problem of hanging back on your right side to try to help the ball up into the air. And so it, it's in, interesting how a lot of these problems, a lot of the things that we see in the swing, the, the, the effects and the way that the ball is struck, are purely the effect. And uh, the problem that most players have, and that's when they go for these little half-hour lessons and what have you, it's like you're giving a little band-aid, a little quick fix to try to fix the effect. Well, that's never going to be a long-lasting solution. So... In essence, hey, you get your posture right, you learn to move your body in the proper manner, and then, hey, just get the, get the, get the swing to complement that movement. And then you're going to find that you, you, all of a sudden, it's like you finish on your left side, and you think, well, that's not so difficult. The other, uh, excuse me, <clears throat> the other major fault I see in the typical golfer is a tremendous amount of excess tension in the hands and the arms and the shoulders. And do you find that when someone is learning the fundamentals of the A-swing, that that tends to take care of itself? Or do you have some special instruction for people who've gotten into bad habits with that kind of excess tension? Yes, tension is a big, big problem. And, you know, even with the A-swing, we have to remind players. And it's not so much relaxing the hands, it's, it's softening the arms. The arms are the big problem. They, they create so much tension in the forearms, the upper arms, and consequently the shoulders and the neck area. And so softening things up is, is really important. But and I'll tell you right now, one of the big problems that where people have the tension is because of the grip, specifically the left-hand grip. Now, we, we've advocated a slightly different approach to the grip here where uh, the left hand is fairly strong. In other words, for a right-handed golfer, it's around to the right. Okay, we've, we've moved the left hand around to the right and we move the right hand around to the left. So the hands fit on. Almost like you've got sort of, if you, if you open your hands up, there's like a little butterfly or a, we call it the prayer position where the angle of the back of your left wrist and the back, angle of the back of your right wrist is symmetrical. And what this requires for the most part is to get the club down towards the fingers, specifically in the left hand. If you get it in the fingers and then the right hand consequently gets on top, which is also in the fingers, you will feel... Uh, a far, you will feel far less tension. One, in my opinion, one of the biggest reasons for tension at address is because players, particularly with the left hand, they grip the club so much up in the palm. And so if you can get that club down towards the fingers, just above the little finger on the, on the left hand, through the forefinger, so it's sitting slightly diagonally across the hand, but nevertheless, you want it more in the fingers. And if you hold the club up in front of you, you can relax your arms and feel a distinct hinging and cocking of those wrists when you do that. If you grip it in the palm, your tension level is so great that you, in order to get the club moving, you've almost got to add tension to it. So this way you can keep nice and soft. And the other thing is too, and that's as important to realize, that what happens, the, the backswing must be instigated <coughs> by your core. Okay, when I say that, in other words, your belly, the area around your midsection needs to move the club away. You've got to, the club has to be moved away with that part of the body. If you just take it away with the hands and arms, once again, tension is, 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 the, is the issue. So getting the grip right and instigating the movement with a little movement with your core, feeling that the arms move is you know, one of my favorite sayings in golf through the years, David, and I had a picture of this uh, in this book, which... Uh, which was taken out of my book that I wrote in the, 19, in the so 1989 called The Golf Swing, which is a really fairly innovative book back then. Uh, but I had a picture of, of a dog 
uh, with a club in his tail. And we say, listen, you've got to let the dog wag the tail. If the tail wags the dog, guess what? You're going to be tight. You're going to be tense. And you're going to be trying to be over controlling the club. So, you know, that's I love that saying that the dog wag the tail. Well, that's great, David. So as we move toward kind of coming toward the tail end of this interview, I want to give you a chance to share anything else that you would like to share. Maybe um, uh, a couple of pieces of advice that you wish that you could give many, many people who've been listening or anything else that you'd like to talk about. And then also to make sure that you um, give the listeners some possible next steps and action steps they can take if they want to learn more about the A-Swing. Sure. Well, I, I think, look, I've been teaching this great game, as I said to you a little while ago, you know, for a long time now, David. And, you know, it's my goal, really, I'm, I'm putting something back into the game, seeing if people enjoy it. I mean, look, it, it's, it's, it, it's out there. This book is out there. I would suggest, look, if you're having problems with your game, Give it a shot. You've got nothing to lose. I mean, it's it's fun. I mean, you know, you hit. It's, it's, I, there's nothing more rewarding than hitting some good shots and playing some good golf. I mean, it, it. I mean, I've never seen anybody in a bad mood after coming off the golf course having played a really good round of golf. I mean, I just haven't seen it. I mean, it, it's amazing how this golf affects people's lives in more in many in more ways than we than we really know about. And so, uh, you know, it, it's. I, I think. Look. If you, if, you, if you want to play better golf, you've got to do something about it. You can always moan. And I, I think the thing is, too, especially as one gets older, look, a lot of people have a little more free time to play golf. And so it, it's sad to me to see so many of these senior golfers who are sort of giving up the game. Well, I just can't hit the ball any distance. And, you know, I've lost my flexibility. And so, and so, you know, this is brought out really with these sort of players in mind. Although, as I say, we've got people of the ilk of, Lydia Co. utilizing the approach. And so, you know, I just, all I, I really advise you, hey, just try this A-Swing. You can go to, you can get on Kindle now, you can go to Barnes & Noble, you can get on Amazon. And it, it's, it's, the book is great because a lot of illustrations in it, it's, it's, a, it's a great, you know, coffee table book apart from anything else. And so, you know, look, we could all look at these great players. I mean, watch these great players on TV week in and week out and, I mean, most people haven't got a hope in hell of trying to swing like these people. And I say to me, look, if you can get, if you can get a little flow in your swing, get some energy going, and you know, the old my favorite expression in golf was uh, uh, devised by the great Julius Boris many years ago: "Swing easy, hit hard." And that's what you're able to do with this a swing. You can, you 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 feel like there's less effort and. Uh, and and the great thing about it is minimal practice. So you know, I mean, it's 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 a bargain. So. You know, as I say, I, I, I'm excited about it, as you can probably tell. I'm very passionate about it. And it's it's like I've, I've sort of been reborn as far as, you know, my enthusiasm, because I've always been enthusiastic about teaching. But I just think I've seen it help so many people. And it, it's, as I say, I mean, look, you're going to get the odd naysay and say, look, this, is, this didn't work for me. I mean, nothing's perfect for everybody, obviously. But just from what we've seen so far and just some of the heart-rendering stories that we've had, you know, just all I advise people is, hey, give it a go and see see if it works. And uh, you know, hopefully, then that'll keep players in the game. And uh, you know, it's, it's as we know, it's a fabulous sport. You can play it at any age. You can start at any age. Uh, you can play it up to any age. And you might as well do it to the best of your ability. And so um, uh, that's that's sort of my message to the 
to the golfers out there that are listening to this uh, to this blog there, David. And um, as I say, just hey, be patient with it. You know, take little bits of it. If you want to utilize this or try this A swing, just try little bits of it. You don't have to take, as the great Harvey Penick said, you know, you don't have to take a pill at a time. You don't have to take the whole bottle. And so, um, you know, that I think people might really enjoy it, and uh, I hope they do. What's next for David Ledbetter? Well, what's next? You know, I mean, look, we're uh, sort of uh, working hard on this. We're going to be doing you know, a little bit of, you know, probably uh, some, you know, some app stuff with it for people. And, you know, everybody's into apps and social media these days and what have you. So we're sort of, you know, we're working on that. But, you know, I, my, my goal really is to sort of get the message out there and to sort of help people to enjoy it. And I mean, this is not sort of a, as far as I'm concerned, a fad. This is not like, okay, well, next year I'm going to bring out something new. No, this is something that we've really taken on board on all, at all our academies and you know I've sort of uh, I've really you know I've put my sort of heart and soul into this and uh, I I just want to sort of get get say get this message out there that people can play better golf that you don't have to struggle and get upset with yourself and get frustrated with this game which we all love and would love to play better and uh, you know so rather than giving it up you know we're, we're suggesting people try this a swing because it's something that hey it's a little different. It's a little controversial, certainly, which in the realms of golf is not a necessarily a bad thing because it creates a little bit of interest with people. So, uh, and so, you know, I'm going to be I'm going to be working hard on it and uh, doing my thing. You know, working with some of the young players. I still enjoy traveling and you know working in our academies. And uh, you know, it, it, to me, the fortunate thing for me that this has never been like a job to me. It's been a hobby, a passion, a love of mine. And uh, you know, I, it's just. It's just great to get up in the morning and think, hey, what, who are we going to help today? Well, David, thank you so much for being so generous with your time. And uh, personally, thank you so much for the contribution you've made to my family's life. And I'm glad that there's a little something I can do to, to help spread the word. So thank you very much, David. And please, uh, my love to you and your family. Thank you so much. Really enjoyed it. Thank you very much, David. For joining us for today's episode of Freeing the Body, Freeing the Soul. To access all episodes, including show notes, go to cuttingedgedoc.com. That's cuttingedgedoc.com. Lastly, if you love today's show, you can support Dr. David, his work, and the show by going over to iTunes and giving a five-star rating and a heartfelt comment. Thank you again for joining us today and for your commitment to freeing the body, freeing the soul.